Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome in. Wow. I cannot wait to get started. Welcome to the Total Coverage Podcast here on the Sirius XM Podcast Network. I am your host, Kirk Morrison, the eight-year NFL veteran, five years with the Oakland Raiders. Yes, they were in Oakland before they went to Vegas. One year in Jacksonville, two years in Buffalo, and now current Sirius XM NFL radio host and analyst, man. So excited to be with you as always here on Total Coverage, man. Whatever you want, whatever you need, we got you covered here. Also, too, go to Apple, go to Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you go tap the search icon, tap in Total Coverage, rate, subscribe, Man, let me know what you think about the show. This show is always interactive as well. Contact me on Twitter, on Instagram, same name, at Kirk Morrison, and we can talk about the week's NFL games, something that you saw, something that I may have missed so much to get caught up on, and I'm excited to you, man. We are now past week number nine. Week nine in the NFL is over. Week 10 is quickly approaching in just a couple of days as we get ready for the final stretch now. So I guess uh, usually I would say, oh, you know, it's, um, you know, we're uh, last week we would say we're right at the halfway mark. But like, no, we, we really are. Now it's downhill. The NFL season, can you believe this, is halfway finished. Like seriously, nine weeks in, nine weeks left. Yes, there are 17 games. We get that. But I mean, help me with my math here. Nine plus nine is 18, right? So 18 weeks of a season, we're nine weeks in, only nine more weeks of the NFL regular season to go. So I'm excited that now we are downhill. The trade deadline is now come and gone. Uh, the waivers have now been cleared. So as we tape this, I'm taping this on Wednesday morning, everybody, okay? November 10th. I don't know where Odell Beckham is at. So don't ask me. I don't know where he's signing with. Okay, I don't know. But maybe we can get into that for a little bit later in the show today. Maybe we could talk about COVID protocols. I don't even know. I have no idea what I what I get in when it comes to uh, Aaron Rodgers and how last week we saw didn't look good for him and the Green Bay Packers. But, man, my guy, Bertrand Berry, former defensive end with the Cardinals, Colts, the Broncos, man, 12-year NFL guy. He's going to come in. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Arizona, right? They get a win last week, despite not having Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. So I want to see what's going on down in the desert. He'll be in just a couple minutes, man. We're going to talk about the Sunday night matchup of last week. Titans, Rams, no Derrick Henry, no problem. We'll tell you why the Titans were able to go out there and secure a victory. Probably one of the uh, biggest upsets. Of last week, there were two. We're going to talk about both of them. The Broncos going into Dallas, and the Broncos took care of business out there in Big D. We'll get into that matchup as well. And maybe the biggest shocker of week number nine, my former team. I just mentioned it, 2010. I was a Jaguar. Jaguars pulling off the biggest win, I think, of the NFL season. A 15-and-a-half-point underdog taking care of business over the Buffalo Bills. So we'll get into all of that on this episode of Total Coverage. But first, let's uh, get caught up with my guy, Bertrand Berry. Get to catch up with 12-year NFL veteran, man. Woo! Mr. Bertrand Berry played with the Colts, Broncos, and the Cardinals. But, man, he's an analyst. He's got his own podcast going. He's the host of the Train and Gross podcast. You can follow it on Twitter, at 
train and gross on twitter follow him on twitter at btrain92 my guy bertrand berry joins total coverage bb what's up my man oh man what's going on how you guys doing today Hey, man, we're doing good, man. The 2004 NFL sacks leader with 14 and a half. Oh, man, all pro and pro and a pro bowler, man. 65 career sacks, a guy who got it done for a very long time. But look, man, I, I want to get into what's been going on down in the desert. And mm -hmm. I think what you saw in week nine, no Kyler Murray, no mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. This team's not supposed to win, yet Colt McCoy, and this offense, they find a way to do it on the road, man. Just tell me about last week's win, what caught your eye, and that 31-17 victory over the 49ers. The thing that caught my eye was, one, this was a complete team effort. I think James Conner was a guy that really surprised a lot of people, the fact that he was able to, to look spry out there. Those were some of the things that got him out of Pittsburgh. A lot of people didn't think he had that type of ability and that type of acceleration, and he was able to go out there and, and really – show what he's made of in the defense. My goodness, they were playing out of their minds. Marcus Golden was just that on the defensive side, three sacks. And uh, you see this, this defense really starting to take that next step. And I, I thought the team really stepped up, coaches involved as well, to make sure they got a much-needed win on the road after a disappointing Thursday night loss to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that's – you know, I, I forget also A.J. Green was also a guy who didn't play as well. And then – Chase Edmonds goes down in the first quarter with his uh, uh, ankle injury as well. So you think that's four prominent players that are not playing for this football team that they were still able to go out and win and win pretty, pretty handily, Bertrand. Let's speak to the culture of what Cliff Kingsbury is now doing in year three. A lot of people were like, man, he's on the hot seat. But is this what you envisioned in year three? Well, this is what we envisioned in year two. And wow. I think it's Taking some time, I think, for Coach Kingsbury and, and the rest of the staff, they really felt like they had a team that was put in place last year to make that kind of run. And, and if you remember, Kyler Murray goes down about the halfway mark, and the offense really kind of lost its identity. And I think they learned from that. I think they found uh, an alternate way to, to generate offense and, more importantly, generate that running game. Because you can't rely on Kyler Murray. We know he's dynamic in the open field. But to think that he's going to be a guy that can just get you those those gritty yards, you and I both know that that just doesn't happen with a guy of his of his stature. You're going to need a guy with a little bit of size, and, and I think addressing that offensive line too. I think that really changed how this team approached offense. And yeah, you still want to go down the field with the big plays, but you got to be able to start with running the football because you know nobody can beat you throwing and catching in the NFL. You know, one of the big acquisitions in the offseason, some may say it was J.J. Watt, but obviously he's now done for the year. Uh, people say it could have been A.J. Green and a lot of the other players they brought in. But this guy was activated last week. And for some reason, he doesn't get talked about it enough. But, man, well, Rodney Hudson, man, a big-time Pro Bowl, all-pro center, formerly with the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs, now here in the desert with the Arizona Cardinals. It seems that he's brought a level of toughness along that offensive line that hasn't lived up to its potential. But I think Rodney has got these guys playing well. Toughness and experience. And you know yeah. as well, young teams don't win in the NFL. And I think for a guy that's got his hand on the ball every single snap, you want that experience from that position because that's the quickest line of defense between he and the quarterback. And the fact that now you have an all-pro guy, a guy that's had some success for a number of years in the league, 
he's able to go out there and really stabilize that unit and really give them somebody that they can depend on in the middle. I think that did wonders for not only Kyler Murray, but the offensive line. And, and when those guys are working together as a unit, teams are really, really tough to beat. At BTrain92 on Twitter, on Twitter, the host of Train and Gross podcast at Train and Gross on Twitter. Also the owner of Train Station football training facility in Phoenix, Bert Terenberry, joining the Total Coverage podcast here on the SiriusXM podcast network. So we've talked a lot about the offense, but man, Bert we got to talk about that defense of the Arizona Cardinals. And look, this is a team that's top five in the NFL and the only team that's top five in the NFL on offense, top five in the NFL on defense. What are they doing defensively that people aren't, I guess, seeing from a from a, a, a an eye right away? What is this defense doing? I think they're playing with a certain attitude. And you have certain players that have come in and, and really, uh, you know, up the ante, if you will, as far as, as the energy. I think Marcus Golden has been one of those pleasant surprises that yeah. – was there with the Cardinals at first, went away to the Giants, and then came back. And now that you, you see uh, Chandler Jones doing what he did, and when he went out, I think Marcus took that upon himself to really step up and, and be one of those, those leaders on that defensive front. And the way that he's played is really made up for the loss of a J.J. Watt. And then, you know, when Chandler Jones was out with COVID for a few weeks, uh, you saw him really take that mantle. And I think – the defense has really responded to him as well as Vance Joseph. I think Vance has really figured out the personnel and, and the, the people that he wants to put in certain positions. It's taken them a while to really get a feel for the roster, but I think he's done that. And this team has played very optimistic football in the first couple, the first half of the season. You think about the takeaways, you think about the time of possession that the offense has given them. It's really allowed them to, to go out there and play fresh. And you know, when you've been out there with a few <laughs> 16 play drives, bro. It, it takes a lot out of you. I don't care what point in the game it's, it's in. If you have that kind of wear and tear on you, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually catch up to you. And that's the one thing that the Cardinals really haven't had to deal with this year. They haven't had to deal with those long, extended drives because the offense has been able to, to give them those type of drives so they can go to the sidelines, figure out what they want to do as far as the plan of attack and go out and execute it. Yeah, you mentioned Marcus Golden. He had three sacks versus the 49ers, third in the NFL with nine sacks. Man, you already know, Bertrand. You get the 10, you start just throwing up the money sign, right? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> start thinking tropical. You start thinking Pro Bowls and votes and all that kind of stuff. So you already know that, that magic number is 10, bro. So he's right there. He's really excelled a lot of the expectations that have been here because, you know, last year, you know, when you had a sign ready to go out and do his thing, uh, a lot of people thought that, that was a mistake, letting him go. But he's been able to show that, hey, I'm still here. I can go out and when given the opportunity, I can get that same type of production. And so he, along with the Chandler Jones, you hate that J.J. Watt wasn't in the middle to, to capitalize on that. But I think they've had enough young guys in the rotation to to fill that void and, and make up for that loss and, and, and really go out and just, just play physical, tough football. I, I think the attitude has really changed more than anything. And, and of course – uh, when you when you get the results like they've had, good things are going to happen for your your defense as well as your whole team. A couple more questions here for Bertrand Berry. Um, Kyler Murray expected to return in week number 10 as the Cardinals take on the Carolina Panthers, who are now down their quarterback in Sam Darnold. P.J. Walker will get the start. Is there anything that worries you right now 
uh, about this Cardinals team because you mentioned a little bit earlier last year, Kyler got got hurt and his team faltered down the stretch. Is it one of those weeks where if he's not 100% that you can hold him out because of the depth that this team now has at so many different positions and then winning last week without Kyler, would you rather him sit a little bit till he's fully healthy or if he's good, you just let him go out and play? One thing you can't do in this, in this league, you know, you can't give away wins. You, you got to have win because right. now you have one team playing for the bye and Correct. Loss. Every game is going to matter going forward down the stretch. You know, when you get to November and December, this is where the contenders start to separate themselves. And you really can't afford to, to give away a game and just say, hey, we're just going to rest Kyler. We're not going to stress this one too much. If, you, if you're really trying to make something big happen in the playoffs, having those playoff games at home go a long way. And the only way that you can do that, being that there's only one seed in each conference, you've got to win as many games as you can. So even though you may have a hobbled Kyler Murray, with, with no disrespect to Colt McCoy, I'd rather have a high, hobbled Kyler Murray than a very fully healthy, uh, you know, Colt McCoy. So uh, I just think he's that dynamic. I think the threat of Kyler Murray running with his legs and being able to throw the ball down the field, which he's still being able to do, I still think that's your best chance to try to win this game. Look, last question for you, Bertrand. What's the atmosphere like? I know it was a couple of down years for Arizona uh, prior to this, but to be able to make the decision to go to, you know, Cliff Kingsbury a couple of years ago, to draft Kyler Murray a couple of years ago, and to now, I feel like, have a football team that's sort of built for the future, to have some success. What's it like going down there to the nest, man, <laughs> inside of Glendale? Well, it's, it's exciting. And anytime that you have a winner, you know, Phoenix is one of those, those rare cities where, they love a winner, and and if you're not winning, then everybody goes back to their their hometown, you know, loyalties, you know, because most people are transplants, they're right. native uh, uh, Arizonians, if you will. So you know, if you don't perform the way you're supposed to perform, then everybody's like, hey, you know, I am a Broncos fan, I'm a Cowboy fan, you know, this that or whatever. So <laughs> the fact that they're winning, you know, let's just keep it above. You know, when you're winning, everybody's gonna be riding with you. So right now, everything is good and. Even piggybacking off of what the Suns did this this summer, you know, yeah. the fact now the Valley's expecting winners and the Cardinals are doing their part so far and, and everything is rolling smooth and hopefully they can finish this second half just as strong as they started the first one. Hey, that's what I was going to say. I said, look, I said the Phoenix Mercury, the WNBA team went to the WNBA finals. You just mentioned the Suns. They, went to the, <laughs> they went to the NBA finals. And then also, too, look, is it the Cardinals? Can they get to the finals this year? Can they get to the Super Bowl this year? Is this a Super Bowl contender in your eyes? It's a contender. I, I'm not going to say they're the favorites because, you know, there's a team down there in, in, in Florida that, you know, they, they have something to say about that. Right. Uh, also, that team in Green Bay, if, 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 you know, Aaron can get himself together. So there are some, there are some uh, roadblocks, if you will. The Cowboys <laughs> up this past weekend. They're still a good football team. So there's a lot of... Of, of, of work still to be done. But I think if they are able to get that top seed and be able to play those games in the nest, I think they got a good chance to make it. And he is the host of Train and Gross, the podcast, at Train and Gross on Twitter. Reach him on Twitter, at BTrain92, the owner of Train Station's football training facility in Phoenix. Man, the 12-year NFL veteran, man. Appreciate the time, as always, Bertrand. We're going to be catching up soon because I think these Cardinals ain't going nowhere, man. Appreciate the time, Bertrand. No doubt. Thanks for having me. You guys have a great one. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. Man, again, man, appreciate Bertrand Berry, man, a 12-year NFL veteran, man, with the knowledge, man. I love hearing his takes every single week. Getting me caught up, man. I think the Arizona's going to be a team that we'll see uh, toward the end of the season. So we're going to probably hear from Bertrand again a little later on. But let's get into some of these games, right? And last week, last Sunday night, week nine, SNF, it was the game that many people, I believe, before the season, I don't believe many people circled that this game. I know for sure that I did. I circled this game. I really did. It was Titans at Rams, first Sunday of November. And I said, you know what? This is going to be a great matchup. And a lot of people laugh, said, no. I mean, especially for me on the West Coast here, it was the Rams schedule, it's always they're in prime time versus Seattle. They'll be in prime time. Next week, actually, on Monday night, they take on the 49ers. Oh, they'll be in prime time later on as they take on the team that we just talked about, the Arizona Cardinals on a Monday night. But they had a two Sunday night games, one against Chicago and one against Tennessee. I said, man, of all their matchups, the Rams in prime time, I said, there's something about that Tennessee game that I just felt like it's going to be a big game. And I don't know why. This was before the season. I really did. I circled it. I can show you my notes. And yet... As the game started to get closer and closer, it did take on a lot more. Um, well, I would say a week and a half prior to the matchup, it was going to be the best team in the AFC in the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry, the way that they've been playing football, they were six and two, right? And a lot of people had kind of counted maybe the Titans out because they had a bad week one loss against the Arizona Cardinals. And then, oh, by the way, they gave the Jets their first win of the season. So everybody kind of down on the Titans, but yet they went out and they went out and just been beating teams. They've beaten uh, the Buffalo Bills, right? Now they've beaten the Rams, which we'll talk about in just a second. They've they beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've beat some teams and now people are kind of scratching their heads saying, what are we missing? Now? I knew this game would be great because I wanted to see, can the Rams, their high powered offense, go up against the high powered offense of, well, the Derrick Henry high powered offense of the Titans. But there was no Derrick Henry. And so the game now kind of lacked a little bit of luster, a little bit. No Von Miller, who's recently been traded to the Rams. So you had no Von Miller. You didn't have, you know, obviously a, a Derrick Henry. But there were new stars that emerged. Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Peterson made his Titans debut, filling in for Derrick Henry. And the Rams had their, you know, opportunity to go out there on national TV and show why they were the best team, maybe not in the, just the NFC, but maybe in the NFL. And I can tell you, watching this game and being at SoFi Stadium Sunday night, the Rams never stood a chance. The Titans came in, and the Titans really, I thought, pushed them around. It really reminded me of the game between the Patriots and the Rams. I believe that had to be Super Bowl 35, was it? 35, 36, I believe. It was, you know, the one, I think, Tommy's first Super Bowl win, I believe. 
Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win, where the defense of the Patriots just were just so physical against the greatest show on turf. And they knocked the receivers around. They did a little extra after the whistle. They played to the echoes of the whistle. That's how I like to say it. They played to the echoes of the whistle. And that's what you saw was just a more physical football team. And then, oh, by the way, Matthew Stafford have been winning his worst games as a quarterback for the Rams so far this season. But I just thought that the attitude that was needed to win this game, the physicalness, the toughness that you needed, the Tennessee Titans, they brought that. So despite not having Derrick Henry, the game plan didn't change. The mentality didn't change. The philosophy didn't change. The Tennessee defense intercepted Matthew Stafford twice on back-to-back -back plays. And basically it resulted into 14 points. Kevin Byer returned the second interception for a touchdown. The other, the previous interception really set them up first and goal touchdown to a swing to tight end. But man, Kevin Byard, who, if you've listened to NFL radio on Sirius XM, one of the great interviews, I mean, basically baited Stafford in a throw in an outside throw. He picks it off and returned it. And I thought at the time, the score was 14-3. I said, this game's over. This game's over. The momentum had now shifted. The momentum had changed. This falls into what the Tennessee Titans want to do. They want to get out to a lead. But they also want to do what there's two ways that they win football games by lead, but also they just want to get to the fourth quarter with five minutes left. They want to get to the fourth quarter and with five minutes left, that's what they want to do because they feel like they have an opportunity. So it, it can be ugly. They can miss field goals, interceptions, turnovers. I mean, you can name everything. But if they get you with five minutes left in the game and it's tight, they feel like they can wear you down. They can move forward. And it doesn't matter if they have Derrick Henry or not because we saw what it looked like. But they are getting defensive performances. We talked about the Kevin Byard interception. But I think defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, the former first-round pick out of Mississippi State, played one of the most dominant games this week. Six tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss, four quarterback hits. He was unstoppable. That Rams interior offensive line could not stop him at all. And Ryan Tannehill didn't have his best game, but man, he was 19 of 27, 143 yards, a touchdown. Jalen Ramsey got him for an interception, but for the most part, he managed the game. Didn't have to do much. Only 143 in the year. Didn't have to do much because the special teams played well, the defense played well, and they confused the Rams offense. Look, Adrian Peterson did come in to kind of relieve not having Derrick Henry, and he had 10 carries, 21 yards, nothing too crazy, uh, but he had a touchdown, okay? That's all they wanted, just be able to get some tough yards, just to be able to hold off and can you get through two months of not having Derrick Henry because he is scheduled to return. But that was the mentality that they had. They wanted to go in and end the Rams streak, and that's what the Titans did. The Rams were on a four-game winning streak. They snapped that. And Stafford led all the active QBs with 24 interceptions returned for a touchdown coming into this game. And so, yeah, you saw him throw another pick six. That's what people were telling me, right? Hey, watch out for Stafford, man. He still has that. He has it in him. And we saw that in him the other day on Sunday night, not being able to uh, just look like he got comfortable, never got comfortable. LA, the Rams, they came into the game as the least penalized team in the NFL, but yet 
and this was something I told somebody else. Someone asked me who was the MVP of the game, who was the player of the game. I said this: the MVP of the game was not a guy who wore a jersey. It was a guy who name was penalties. The Rams had 12 penalties, 115 yards. Let me repeat that. Repeat that. 12 penalties, 115 yards. Yeah, that's 115 yards of offense basically given to the other side to the tight or 115 yards of hidden yardage. That was the most penalties and yards in a four in the Sean McVay era. But you can't rest on your laurels too long, right? If you're the Titans, you're now at the top of the AFC. And with everybody losing, some not looking good, you know, with Buffalo losing, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I think people are starting to believe now what the Titans can do. They play good defense. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. I mean, they got a couple tight ends through there. It's going to be running back by committee. But I believe they have a culture. They have an identity that can get them moving along. Same thing with the Rams. Can they rebound? What will they do? Had one of their worst games offensively. Thought they ran the ball well, but it was the penalties that caught them up. So we will see as this thing moves along. The Titans, it doesn't get any easier. They, they host the Saints, who got beat last week by the Atlanta Falcons. Man, so they're going to be coming in. The Saints, an angry bunch of Saints. But we'll see what happens against the Titans. Oh, and the Rams go Monday night football against the San Francisco 49ers, who, by the way, have won the last four matchups versus the Rams. So it'd be very interesting to see. Quickly, do the Titans, are they still a contender? And I've said it before, they are a contender in the AFC. Why? Because they have a culture. They have an identity. They won't have Derrick Henry, but what I saw from Deonta Foreman, what I saw from Jeremy McNichols, what I saw from Adrian Peterson, that this offensive line was nasty. They buddied things up. They were physical. They played on the other side of the line of scrimmage. When you have that identity, that's who you are. And Tannehill just has to make four or five good throws a game. Complete a, get a couple first downs, but make the big throws when needed. He also had a little, uh, a plate, what was it, the, uh, the naked bootleg for a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like he can still make plays with his legs. That's why I have a total confidence in the Tennessee Titans. Now, will they be able to sustain it? You would think, but this is a playoff team. I, that's all I'll say. That they're a playoff team. Now, are they the number one seed in the AFC? I don't know. That's left to be seen. But I think that they've won enough games that they can hold it down, hold it together down the stretch. If they make it to the playoffs, you tell me you want to go against this team, possibly when Derrick Henry's back. I know I want no parts of that at all. All right. Nah, I don't want anything of that, man. So I think that they can move it on. They'll be all right. We'll see them down the stretch, man. But wow, one of those big games of week number nine. Uh, that definitely caught my eye. You know, one of the upsets of week number nine that no one really saw coming, I believe, it was the, uh, <laughs> the Denver Broncos going into Dallas and beating the Dallas Cowboys. And I think it was just, just a precursor to the game. The Denver Broncos trade away, longtime you know, franchise player, Super Bowl 50 MVP, Von Miller. And a lot of people thought that, oh, here's a team that's possibly at four and four, ready for a fire sale. And that was kind of the talk around, I thought, in Colorado, in Denver. 
And then all of a sudden, you see the way the game started off and how it transpired. Broncos went into Dallas and you saw from the get-go, you saw from the get-go, this was a team that was motivated. This was a team that was not listening to the outsiders. This is a team that just played with a passion. And the Broncos improved from four and four to five and four with an impressive win over Dallas. I mean, it was the, the score says 30 to 16, but it, it was look, the, the Broncos held the Cowboys, which is the number one ranked offense in the NFL. Cowboys didn't have a point until 408 in the fourth quarter. So we're talking about what close to 55 over 55 minutes of playing time and the Cowboys had as many points as you and I zero now they got a couple of little you know touchdowns at the end but man it was one of those games where look people are going to point to was it Dak was it no give credit to the Denver Broncos they came in with a game plan they possessed the football for 41 minutes, right? 41 minutes they had the ball. They outgained the Cowboys 407 yards to 290. They had 23 first downs to the Cowboys 14. It was it was beautiful, man. You talk about this in the NFL, there's been games where for weeks I sit down in my meeting room. You know, we're sitting down as a team, we're meeting. Coach comes out and says, look, man, this is what's in front of us. All right, fellas, this is what's in front of us. You're like, all right, this is how we're going to win this game. We are going to be physical up front. We're going to push them back. We're going to run the football. Yeah, it does sound like it. It, it, it sounds like what we talked about earlier, that Titans Rams game, right? I mean, <laughs> Vic Fangio, Mike Vrabel, defensive minded coaches. We don't give them enough credit until they go out and beat these high powered offenses. I think a couple of years ago, remember the Rams played against the, uh, the, the New England Patriots? And the Rams had that high-powered offense. And then here comes the Patriots, Belichick, the defense. And we had one of the, uh, I guess, low-scoring Super Bowls. They were 13-3. to Everybody's thinking about score, score, score. And scoring does. It sells points. It gets people excited. But, man, let's not forget about the defense. Let's not forget about controlling the clock. That's what the Denver Broncos did. They ran the ball. Javante Williams, his 17 carries, 111 yards. MG3, that's right, Melvin Gordon. MG2, I should say. Melvin Gordon, the second. 21 carries, 80 yards in the touchdown. I love the way that they were. That little two-headed monster. And I had a chance to go to. So my uh, our producer, Mike Kinahan of the Total Coverage Podcast, we had a chance to go out to Denver. And we saw, and just talking to a lot of the players, we felt that this could be a team that could be, you know, in the hunt. But, I mean, this two-headed monster at running back did not see this coming. The rookie, Javante Williams, has been amazing. Now, I, he's on my fantasy, so I can tell you he really has been amazing, by the way. But to team him up with Melvin Gordon, a veteran, and I remember asking Melvin Gordon the, the question of, man, what, what is it about this, this backfield group? And he's like, I would love more touches. But, you know, I understand that we got some guys behind us. So Melvin still got 21 touches. Javante got 17 that's what you need in the game. That's what you want as a player. Well, when you're possessing the ball and you're getting plays, that's what I think makes this Denver Broncos offense go. But then let's not forget about the signal caller because always people are like, are they in? Are they out? Like, what's going on? And I think the big thing is Teddy Bridgewater is just going to be Teddy, man. 
he's not Mahomes. He's not Rodgers. He's not Brady. All right. He's not Kyler. You know what I mean? Not Josh Allen. He's just, he's just Teddy B. He was 19 to 28, 249 and a touchdown. He's going to be just heady. He is going to be, he's going to take care of the football. He won't turn it over. And that's all you can ask if you're Vic Fangio in the, in the, in the deep, in Denver Broncos, right? Like offensively, there's a philosophy. Jerry Judy coming back, right? I mean, he's back, but I'm saying that he's back at 100%. You know, Cortland Sutton, now they've lost a couple of wide receivers to injury, and yet they still find a way to go out and utilize the tight end, utilize their multiple tight end sets, and they want to play big boy football. So that really is what impressed me. But again, this was their first game without Von Miller. They were also missing their outstanding pass rusher, Malik Reed. And three starters <laughs> along the O-line for a majority of the game. No Garrett Bowles. We saw Graham Glasgow is going to miss the rest of the season. Bobby Massey, another guy who was, was out for a bit. They had to figure it out, and they did. They figured things out. Defensively, the rookie linebacker, Jonathan Cooper, big game, beat four tackles. They got him to get two sacks, two tackles for loss, two QB hits. They found pressure with other guys and this is a part i think we don't see because everyone says well why are they getting rid of von miller well there's some guys who've been waiting for their opportunity much younger was von miller really going to be part of the plans of 2022 for the broncos probably not and look george payton their their new general manager said hey we've got some younger guys we want to give them opportunity we love what von has done but this is how i want to construct the team he's a new general manager it happens and that's why I think they were able to see this young Jonathan Cooper go off uh, in that first game without Von Miller on the squad. The Denver D, look, held the Cowboys. He never won offense, like I said, five for 13 on third down. And uh, yeah, oh for foe. That's right, I said foe. Oh for foe on fourth down, man. The Broncos have won seven straight games against the Cowboys. Can you believe that? Dating back to 1995. Wow, never th would have thought that that the Denver Broncos have been that dominant over the Dallas Cowboys. But this is a what have you done for me? What will you do for me? Next man up mentality, the Broncos. They'll host the Eagles on Sunday. The Eagles not having a great year. But man, think about this. The Denver Broncos, after starting 3-0, then losing four in a row, now winning the next two, they're 5-4. and four. They can win another game now, be at six and four against an opponent they should be able to beat. Now, the AFC West is all jumbled. It is one of the more wide open divisions in all of the NFL. Can the Broncos stay in the mix for the division title with another game versus the Las Vegas Raiders still out there? They'll play the Chiefs a couple times. They got the uh, the Chargers. Man, I, 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 I'm trying to figure it out because you saw what they did early on, but it was against, you know, teams that were just whatever. But this last victory, man, last couple, you're starting to scratch your head a little bit and say, is this for real? Vic Fangio's defense is real. And if they can slow down a Chiefs team that we see has not been the best offensively of last couple weeks, they can slow down the Chargers team that has kind of been bumped from the hierarchy of the NFL to sort of the middle of the pack. And the Vegas Raiders, we know they're going through some things internally already with what's going on. I don't even want to get into that aspect of this podcast, but you're still you know, on the fence about them. 
I don't, I can't put them as a favorite in the AFC West, but I can say they are very much a contender, not only for the division title, but a team that can make the playoffs and possibly could, depending on how they play the next couple weeks. Man, the biggest upset, and look, the biggest upset of <laughs> of week number nine was, I call it in my mind, the Kirk Bowl, because I played for both these squads in my career. I only played for three teams, Raiders, Jaguars, and Bills, but I always hold those last three years of my career, the last two teams that I played for, always dear to my heart, man. I always, I'm always pulling from my folks down there in Duval County, in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm pulling from my people over in Western New York, man. Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia. Man, I love both of these franchises because I know what it felt like to be an underdog, looked over, no one cares about you. That's how I felt when I played in Jacksonville, when I played in Buffalo. And guys take that mentality. But the Jaguars pulled off the biggest upset of the season, knocking off the Buffalo Bills, proving down to two and six. They got their second win of the season. The Jaguars were 15 and a half point underdogs, man. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Coming into this game, making their the, th this victory the seventh largest upset since 1990. So this is the seventh time since 1990 that a team has came in like 15 and a half point underdogs or more and one, man. So shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And a lot of it was how did they get it done? And they got it done because guys had some outstanding performances. Josh Allen was outstanding. No, not that Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. And I sh should try to say that with air quotes because the other Josh Allen has had to hear that since Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills was drafted. Well, Josh Allen, the linebacker was drafted before and has been playing at an outstanding high level. But yet when you hear the name Josh Allen, who do you think of first? You think of the Buffalo Bills quarterback. But the Josh Allen linebacker for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, he had eight tackles. He had a sack. He had an interception, two tackles for loss. He was really, really outstanding, man. He, he, he was a difference maker. He was a difference maker in this football game that had zero touchdowns scored. And he was able to frustrate the other Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, who was only 31 of 47. Still pretty decent, but it was his 264 yards. But more importantly, he had three turnovers, right? Two interceptions, one fumble. That's how you lose football games. That's how you don't score touchdowns. If you would ask me before the game started, would the Jacksonville Jaguars hold the Buffalo Bills offense to zero touchdowns? I'll say, no, you're kidding me, right? No, that is what they did. That's how they won this football game. Also, similar to what we talked about earlier in the Total Coverage podcast today, when we talked about the Rams and what they did with their penalties, well, same thing, the Bills. They committed 12 penalties, 118 yards worth of penalties with five personal fouls mixed in there. So five of the 12 were of the personal foul variety. That's 15 yards. Had a coach would always tell me, man, you're not worth 15 yards to me. because That's 15 yards against our football team that I'm not willing to give up for some player. Well, he actually said for some dumb football player. 
But I get what he was meaning by that. Say, hey, man, you ain't worth 15 yards to this team. We can't overcome that. And they couldn't. That's five personal fouls. That is a lot of yardage within those calls. But the Buffalo offensive line was has been one of the best in the NFL, but they gave up four sacks, the four quarterback hits on Josh Allen. He just never really got comfortable. And I think when you don't get Josh Allen comfortable, let, let him get comfortable, what happens? He starts to go into what I call YOLO ball. And we know YOLO, you only live once. And he starts making some throws and making some decisions that you just can't do at the quarterback. And you think that sometimes he's got that out of his system, but then he still seems to have it in his system. And it's those plays that the Buffalo Bills are saying, hey, just relax. We're fine. I know things may look a little frustrating, but run our offense, run who we are. But when you start to press, that's what happens. Turnovers happen. And that's how teams like the Jaguars, who were one in six, now that's how they can come in and knock you off. On the other side, Trevor Lawrence was a little banged up in the game, able to come back, but he was 15 of 26, 118 yards. And look, he really just managed the game, kept things going. It wasn't really about their, uh, it wasn't about the scoring. It was about just not turning the ball over. And that's what the Jaguars did a really good job at doing. Kudos to their head coach too, Urban Meyer. Been under some fire for a little bit. You know, we go back to the Cincinnati game and him staying over and the pictures that circulated. But a lot of people want to know where the Jaguars all in. The Jags are all in and a terrific job by him coaching these guys up, especially the defense, how well that they play. Because the Bills run game have not had a player rush for more than 100 yards in a game this season. Devin Singletary, 82 yards in week two, was still the team high. They stymied that Buffalo Bills rushing attack. The Jaguars did. You have to continue to allow this defense to get better and better. And I'm excited for them, really, because it's wins are hard in this league. But to beat one of the leading contending teams for the Super Bowl, to be the AFC contender, the AF championship game, man, it, it takes a team effort. So defensively, shout out to the Jaguars. Offensively, just maintain it. That's all they were able to do. And they did a good job at that. Now, look, the Bills will go take on the New York Jets. But, hey, the, the Jets, uh, let's be honest, they pulled off a shocker a couple weeks ago. So, look, this isn't a, just a gimme for the Buffalo Bills. They got to take care of business. But the Jags, they'll travel to Indy, take on the Indianapolis Colts, man. That's going to be a big matchup. I'm a big Indy fan this year. Love what they're doing. Love Carson Wentz seeing him kind of play at that high level again. And uh, we'll see if they can gain some ground on the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry. But we saw they've got one win going against that um, you know that Rams team the other day but watching obviously the Colts and what they were able to do last Thursday this is going to be I think a uh, a finish a photo finish down the stretch in the AFC South Titan Colts uh, I'm not necessarily concerned with the Bills just to get back to that game real quick not concerned with the Bills these games happen as we've mentioned in the total coverage podcast hey Dallas didn't play well the Rams didn't play well Obviously, we're just talking right now. The Bills didn't play well. The Saints are going to have to get some things fixed while their quarterback is out. This was one of those weeks in the NFL that it happens. The favorites aren't the favorites. That's why you let them games play out, man. That's the fun part of it. Now, the Bills will have to fix this offensive line issues that they have. You can't let your quarterback keep getting hit. You're going to have to start running the ball a little bit better. You've been having to hopefully rely on your quarterback for a lot more than you expected. I think that's part of the game too, though, right? That's part of it. 
having your quarterback go out and and and, and be him, but you got to help him out. And that's what I think the Buffalo Bills will have to do um, over, I think, the next couple weeks. Figure this thing out. And maybe you get, it's a get-right game versus the New York Jets. Uh, we shall see. But look, man, Jaguars, they won two of their last three. I just mentioned, man, Urban Meyer. Uh, the guys are starting to buy in. And you see that, man. That was a great buy-in game down there for them that all the hard work, all the patience. We've said it before. The Jags have been in games, especially early. They faltered late. I mean, they had the, the – we talked to Bertrand Berry earlier. They actually had the Arizona Cardinals on the ropes, and they just couldn't just couldn't put them away. This is a good team that's starting to get better and better. They've got the quarterback in place. They just want to get everything all in line. And uh, like I said, I'm impressed with Urban Meyer's group. I can't see what they can uh, do over the coming weeks and the rest of the season. Man, you know what? I didn't get a chance to really go players of the week uh, just because it was so much going on. I mentioned that the outstanding performance by Jeffrey Simmons defensively, that really stood out to me, his three sacks. I think also, too, just some of the other performances around. I mentioned Colt McCoy and and what he was able to do, you know, minus uh, not having Kyler Murray in in, in the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I think Monday night, too, Monday night football, I'm seeing Justin Fields continue to grow within his, his offense, man. I think that's something special, too, that we should always hit on anytime I see young quarterback play. Uh, getting better and better. And then, look, the Miami Dolphins, too, man. They uh, pulled off a victory last week. So there was a lot that I cannot wait to see. I want to see more teams get more, get better and better. So we're going to uh, keep a, keep an eye out for outstanding performances from week to week. And I'll make sure I'll bring them to your attention, even if you missed them. Oh, man, this has been a great episode of Total Coverage. Long episode, man. Had a lot to get in, but I'm so glad that we did. Bertrand Berry, the 12-year NFL veteran, he joined the pod, man. It's a great conversation talking with him. Remember, you can find this podcast on Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. Tap Total Coverage, man. Rate, subscribe, tell a friend, do all that. And also tweet at me, at Kirk Morrison on Twitter at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. And I cannot wait to see what week 10 has in store for us for this NFL week. I cannot wait. And I can't wait to talk to you guys on the week 10 edition next week on the Total Coverage Podcast. Until then, good football, y'all. Total Coverage is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Mike Kinahan. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. Serious XM Podcasts.